I feel the presence of God in this house, and I do believe that, that there is a specific word that God has for those that are here this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to join me for a few moments in the book of Judges. I'm going to be reading out of the 14th chapter of the book of Judges. I do plan on referencing several verses of Scripture. I'll not read them all right now, but I would encourage you to keep your Bibles close by so you can see where I'm headed in the Scripture. We're going to look at Joshua 14, verse number 6. Did I say, what did I say? Oh, excuse me. Let, what did I say now? I, I said Joshua. I meant Joshua. Did I say Judges first? <laughs> you guys have got me confused. So turn to Joshua 14, okay? Man, Judges. Well, maybe you need Judges today. Maybe, I, what verse was that? I'll just read it and start preaching if that... This is the honest truth. We were, we were in a place in, um, in Missouri years ago, and the pastor, this, is, this was Sunday morning, and they have like a Sunday school hour or whatever before the, the main, and so it was the adult Bible class, and he, th this, was, this is the way they did it. He would say, okay, who has a verse today? I'm not exaggerating. And someone in the congregation would say, whatever verse it was, I, I have such and such verse. And he'd say, oh, okay. And he'd turn to that verse and he'd say, well, that's what we're going to preach today. He may be seated. <laughs> like, man, he's good. <laughs> you got to be good just to say, name a verse and we'll, we'll go that direction. I, I know some people that are a part of our church and I would not trust them because they would set me up for stuff. There, there's at, They would like pull some verses out that would be embarrassing. They'd pull verses out. They'd probably have me turning to chapters that are not there, kind of like what I was doing to you guys. I would be like, oh, yeah, that's there. And like, pastor doesn't know the Bible. There's not 15 chapters. Ah! I know how this works. Anyway, here we are, Joshua, excuse me, 14, verse number 6. I want you to see here that... Time has elapsed, and years, years of hardship and difficulty and struggle and challenge has now settled in on God's people, and they have turned a corner and things are tense in the moment because of a event that took place years before, decades before. And, and the scripture is clear here on a certain character, the Bible calls him Caleb in this verse, children of Judah, 
came unto Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb. Everybody say Caleb. Caleb, here's this guy, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me. Now, this is a, this is a personal conversation. Caleb has been and is a part of a much larger group, as it said here, the children of Judah. But it goes from the children of Judah down to one man. And he, and he says to Joshua, he said, You know what Moses, the man of God, said concerning me at Kadesh Barnea. He said, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. He said, I was, I was 40 years old. And the man of God, th this is interesting because it's not just anyone speaking. It wasn't just an a character in the past he he names it was Moses it was our leader it was the one that that we all look back to it was the one responsible for leading us out of Egypt that this is the guy and he was if you don't remember he's saying Joshua he was the man of God he was God's mouthpiece he he was the one that God spoke through I was 40 years old when Moses sent me from Kadesh Barnea into the land to go search it out, to spy the land and come back with a report. And I, I brought him word again as it was in my heart. He said, I brought him a word that was in my heart. Nevertheless, everybody say, nevertheless. He said, nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. He said, I came back and what was in my heart, I gave it to him. But those that went with me, my brothers that saw the same thing I saw and experienced the same thing that I experienced, when they came back, they caused all of the people that were around, they caused their hearts to melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. He said, this is what they did, and this is what I did. Everybody say, the key, say the key to my destiny. That's what I'm going to preach about for a little while today, okay? God bless you. You may be seated. The key to my destiny. If you keep your Bibles there, we'll go on just a, a few more verses. He said, Moses swear on that day saying, surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever because thou hast what? Holy followed 
the Lord my God. So here, here Caleb goes on saying, I remember that day and I remember what Moses said. And he said that I would inherit. He said that I would possess. He said that I would own. He said that I would move into not just me, but my family, those that are coming after me and generations. He goes on to say that wherever my foot have, has traveled, trodden that God was going to permit that to me because I have wholly, because I wholly followed the Lord. Now we'll go somewhere here in a few moments in this message, but I need to say this before we move on, and that is God is looking for people who will wholly follow after him, completely follow after him go all in if you will and he said this and now behold the Lord hath kept me alive as he said these 45 years so here is this man in a matter of just a a few words he gives us something that if you're reading too quickly, you'll miss. Simply put, he said, the Lord hath kept me alive. I wish I had time just to preach all day about that, but, but we don't. I'll just reference it and move on. And that is consider that this man for the last 40 some odd years had watched and attended and been a part of countless funerals. If you think the pandemic was bad, and I, I went to more funerals and was involved in more funerals in the last couple of years than I have been in, in previous in ministry. It was bad. We saw a lot of people pass. But imagine everybody that you knew above the age of 20 that came out of Egypt in 40 years, the wilderness, if you don't know this, the wilderness was filled with graves. We think of just sand and manna and, and water and a rock and quail. No, no, think of this, that what, what truly, and if you've traveled out west and Ian, you've gone perhaps to Arizona and maybe up into Nevada and over into California. There are, there, are, there are stretches of highway that you drive on that there's one cross after another. And, and I've driven those roads, and it's, a, it's an eerie feeling when you're driving those roads knowing that people have lost their lives in automobile accidents on these roads like nowhere else in the country because of the glare and the heat and what rises off of the road and you lose sight of what's coming and people crossing lines and it's one cross after another on some of those highways out in the west. Imagine what it must have been like. We talk about manna and quail and we talk about God showing up and we talk about 40 years of clothes not not needing to be replaced and shoes that didn't wear out and water coming out of a rock. But do we ever talk about every step that they took, they were stepping over another burial place of someone they loved. 
For 40 years, they walked in a circle having funeral after funeral after funeral. Because everybody died that was above the a complete generation. Everybody above the age of 20, except for Caleb and Joshua. Think of this. Their families, their loved ones, their friends, strangers, every day, one funeral after another, one burial after another, one memorial after another. And he says this, and if you're not careful, you'll miss it. One of the first thing he declares is that God kept me alive. We need to thank God that he's keeping us when everything around us is failing, when everything around us is jeopardized, when everything around us is compromised. God is still on our side. Get up every day with a praise on your lips that he gave you another opportunity to worship him, to serve him, to live for him, to love him. I'm here today by the grace of God. I'm here today because God has kept me alive. I'm here today because God gave me another opportunity. I'm here today not because I'm good, not because I'm deserving, not because I'm special, but because God has come through for me time and time and time again. He said it, God, the Lord hath kept me alive these 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Those are powerful words. Here's an 85-year-old man saying, I'm as strong today as I was then. I feel like I'm ready for war today. I'm not ready to sit back and give counsel or direction. I'm ready to fight. Put me on the front line. An 85-year-old man that had been through 40 years of death. We went through two years, 24 months of challenge. And you know there are people that have yet to come back to church. And there are people that have decided they're not coming back to church. And there are people that went into it saying they were one thing and they've come out on the other side and their actions are showing they're something much different than they were. Here is a man that didn't go through 24 months of struggle. Here's a man who went through four decades of struggle and he said, I'm as strong today as I was then. The church better wake up and realize challenge should never sap our energy. Challenge should never cause us to say, I don't know if I can trust God. Difficulty should never back us into a corner where we say, I'm just barely making it. We ought to say, I'm alive today by the grace of God, and I'm stronger today than I've ever been. God gave, God took away. Blessed be his name. I'm not going to curse him. I'm not going to turn back from him. I'm not going to quit today. I'm as strong now as I've ever been. He said, put me on the front line. I'm ready for war. He said, I haven't forgotten what Moses said. 
I haven't forgotten what was declared over me. My strength as it was then, even so is now. He said, now watch this. Therefore, give me this mountain. He wasn't trying to, well, I'm just going to try to make it to church on Sunday. The man said, give me a mountain. Give me a mountain. I know not many mountains around Houston. <laughs> but we live at over 5,200 feet. And we're in, a, we're in the high plain desert. We're not even in the mountains. If you, if you drive there and you come from the east, you don't even realize for the most part that you're gaining altitude when you're driving west through Kansas. And you get to Denver and all of a sudden you're a mile high and you don't even realize it because you have just been gradually on an incline for a while. But you have to go west of us to get to the mountains. And, and there are mountains there. We see them every day from our house. When we get up and drive around, we can see the mountains off to the, off to the west, the Rocky Mountains and the snow-capped peaks. We, we see all that. It never gets old. I, I can look down to just kind of south of where we are, and I see Pikes Peak, which is an hour and a half or more away, and we can see the, the top of that mountain. Amazing places. And, and I, haven't, I haven't been to every summit on every mountain in, in Colorado, but I've been to many of them, and I can tell you that that when you, when you declare, give me this mountain, you, you better be strong enough to take the mountain. People come see us and their head hurts and they get altitude sickness and they lay in the bed and I don't know if I can take this. And they're like, man, we're not even in the mountains yet. We're, we're just a mile high. But when you go to 12,000 or you go to 11,000 or you happen to get to 13 or you may get to a 14 or something, then you're really, you're not breathing. This man is 85 years old and he said, give me this mountain. He said, I'm not, I'm not worried about this. I'm ready to face whatever's coming my way. I'll do Deal with whatever I have to deal with. This has been in my heart for the last four decades, and I'm ready to take it right now. Years ago, before we lived in Colorado, we were in North Carolina at that time and pastoring there, and I wanted to go uh, to, to Colorado, and I like the outdoors, and, and I love archery, and so I wanted to go on a big game hunt, an archery hunt out in Colorado. Well, we lived in North Carolina, and we were, we were in the mountains in North Carolina, the Smoky Mountains. The Smoky Mountains are like, compared to the Rocky Mountains, <laughs> it's, like, it's like they're junior hills or something. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like, what? The Smoky Mountain. We thought, 3,000 feet, oh, my Lord. Mount Mitchell is so, 3,000 feet. Like, what? Then I thought it was, you know, just the context of it all. So we go to Colorado, a buddy and I, and he met me there from Indiana, and we're first day on the mountain going on this hike to, and I thought I was prepared for a mountain. And we jump out of the truck, and we're with a, a local guy there. And he said, okay, we're going we're gonna to go up this trail right here. We're going to go up this rock, and we're going to get to the top of the blah, blah, blah. And then we're going to start calling. Okay. So we jump out of the truck, and we're cold, and we're covered up with many layers of, of, <laughs> of insulation and all. And we get out, and, and this guy just starts walking, just takes off walking. And, and I'm trying to keep up with him, and my buddy's dragging along a little bit behind me. And, and as we're moving 
going up this mountain, it gets harder to breathe. And I look back and my buddy's taking layers of, of insulation off and he's pouring sweat. And, and, and the, the guy we're hunting with is just walking off and leaving us right up the side of the mountain. Like, man, I, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape. I mean, I've been doing P90X and I go to the gym several times a week and I run ball with all the older than 40 guys. And come on, what's going on here? And this guy's like, whoom, leaving us in the dust. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a terrible week. I don't know why I ever signed up for this. And he was looking at us like, oh, we're not even on the mountain yet. This is just this is just getting to where we're going so we can begin. I'm like, oh, Lord, I made the wrong decision. Caleb is looking at this saying, give it to me. Whatever it requires, I'm ready. I'm ready to own it, if you will. And so, this is what the Bible says. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that their cities were great and fenced. So, if so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Here is a man talking about the giants in the land that caused other people to say, we can't do it, and he's saying, God said he would give me the strength to drive them out. He, he, here's a man not saying, how many people can I enlist? How, how many folks can I get in my, my army with me? Who will go with me to fight? He said, God will give me the strength to drive it out. Here's what I see with a lot of people, and that is we always want everybody else to join in our fight to help us get through when God's looking for people that will say, if nobody joins me, I'm going to take this thing. If nobody stands with me I'm going to do this thing Caleb was a man that had a made up mind that with, with God's help there wasn't anything in front of him that would stop him from obtaining what God said he could have why are we always looking for somebody else if I can get their approval if I can get their okay if I can get them to join with me then I'll take that step you don't have to wait on anybody else to join with you if God's on your side. Caleb said it. He said, I will be able to drive them out. Why, why would he say something like that? Or how could it be so confident? Because instead of allowing the funerals to disappoint him, the funerals became a foundation of faith in his life. He had lost everybody he was depending on. <laughs> He, he, he didn't have anybody. The ones that he couldn't confide in. So it's like what I was talking about earlier with your kids. How many times you sit down and say, listen, I need to have a conversation with you. I need your counsel. <laughs> Do you ever sit down and, and receive your children's counsel? Not often. You know, I'm going through this. Mom and dad are going through this big deal. And I'm just wondering what your perspective is on this. Could you just help us out? No. Who do you look to? You look to peers or you look to elders. Or you look to people that have been there that know. And so you're trying to gain. You're not. This is what he would have had to do. All the ones that knew nothing about this, he would have said, hey, guys, what do you think? Everyone that he could have relied on, trusted in, put confidence in, died with doubt in their life. And so now he's saying, well, it's just me and God, but we're going to get this done. 
We're going we're gonna to see this thing through. There were two different conditions represented here in the text that we've been reading. One of the conditions was the Bible said that Caleb wholly had followed after the Lord. What was in his heart was something that could not be shaken. But what was in their heart, the scripture tells us, melted with, with the report that came. There's giants in the land. There's difficulty in the land. There's challenge in the land. So the Bible shows us these two different conditions. One condition is stable. Shout stable. One is confident. Shout confident. One is determined. Shout determined. The other one is unstable. The other one is weak. The other one is fearful. Easily influenced is what we see in, in this. And so the Bible shows us the condition of one man's heart and the condition of everyone else's heart, and they were opposite. One was confident, determined, stable. The other, unstable, fearful, easily influenced. But you go back and this is where it all began in Numbers 13. The Bible says in verse 25, they returned from searching the land after 40 days. Isn't it interesting that it was 40 days in the land and then 40 years before it happened? There's a connection there, but I won't go into it today. And they, the Bible said, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came unto the land whether thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. So they come back after being in the land and they have the fruit of the land. They have the evidence of the land. They have all the results of the land and they say, look, it's what, look what's in the land. Watch this. They brought evidence of the blessings back and the tangible evidence was not enough to convince the people of a, and I won't say fictitious because it was reality, but it wasn't. Here's what happens. You don't read in this text where they brought the giants back. You read one time where they say, and we captured an Anakim, and he was a big man, and this is him right here, and we got him all tied up, and we brought him back, and I want you to see. See how big he is and how difficult this is and how challenging this is? This is the reason we can't go there. No, they came back saying the challenge is bigger, but no evidence to prove that the challenge was bigger. But they came back with the evidence of the blessings of God tangible in front of them, and it wasn't enough to convince people that the blessings would outweigh the challenge that they could not even see with their eyes. So the scripture says this, Nevertheless, there's that word again. Remember earlier, earlier when we read, he, he fully 
and holy follows the Lord and his heart is strong and ready, nevertheless, nevertheless, his brethren start saying we can't do it and the hearts melt with fear. Now here's another nevertheless, the people be strong. Okay, they did not have the people that were strong with them. They only had the grapes of evidence with them, a blessing and favor. Here's what God wants to do. But can I just say that, man, it's going to be hard. People are strong that dwell on the land. Their cities are walled, very great. Did they bring back a walled city? Did they bring back one brick? Did they take one iPhone photo? Did they take a selfie by the wall? Did they tweet it? Did they do anything about it? Snapchat or put it on Instagram and say, look at the walls. Oh my God, the giants are huge. No, they came back saying, it's impossible. It's impossible. We saw the children of Anak there. We saw people that were bigger than us there. Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the problems. See, we, we have this, I can't even say that anymore. Rolodex full. You guys don't even know what a Rolodex is. They have, they have this whole contact list. They have, they have all, uh, literally of all of the problems. All the problems, this person and that person and this difficulty and those people, they come back with this long list. That's the way we are. We can always find every negative. We can find every difficulty. We always talk about how bad the job is, how bad the family is, how bad the finances are, how bad the health is, how bad the economy is, how bad the hello, somebody. This long list, and that's what they were doing. But all of these problems, all of these challenges, all of these difficulties, oh, man, they dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea. And by the coast of Jordan, we're surrounded. There's no way this looks horrible. This is the worst place ever. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. That's the report they're hearing. And this one guy steps up, Caleb, saying, hey, 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 hey. Let us go up at once and possess it. They just received this long laundry list of problems. And this one guy steps up and steals the people and says, hey, let's go right now. See, sometimes we think those are the crazy people. Because like we all know how dangerous this is and how bad it is and how difficult. And there's always one that says, hey, let's go do it right now. Let's jump off of that. And we all say that's our crazy friend. <laughs> that's our friend that has no, no, no sense about or no awareness of danger or hurt or harm. And we're like, oh, it's this, and they're going to do that, and we're going to get in trouble, and they're going to blah, 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 blah. And one guy's like, that sounds like the greatest thing. Let's go now. And dive out of that, jump off of that. Do, really? Are you really? Yeah, let's go. Come on. I can't wait. That was Caleb. <laughs> He was like, let's go right now and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went with him said, we be not able. <laughs> I said, Caleb, you're crazy. You want to jump off that? Go ahead, but I'm not going. That was the moment. And this was years before. We're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we. How do you know they're stronger? Have you fought them? Do you have a conversation with them? Have you studied them? 
Do you know them? No, no. No, we just saw it and we assumed they're stronger than us. They're, they're, we can't do this. And they brought up, watch this, the Bible said an evil report. See, when you assume things, when it's connected to God's plan, you assume things without trusting in him, you're one letter away from devil. The Bible didn't say they brought up a negative report, a disheartening report, down or doubt. No, the Bible said they brought up an evil report. When you start speaking things in fear rather than in faith, when you start speaking things out of assumption rather than trusting God, immediately God doesn't say, well, I understand where they are. They've had some difficult moments. It was probably overwhelming for them to see that. The Bible said it is an evil report. We've got to be careful about what we start speaking when God's saying it can be another way. We don't know how it's going to work out. We don't, we don't know how it's going to come together. But if God said, go take the lamb, then I have to be the kind of individual that says, let's go right now. I know it seems crazy. I know it looks like I've gone off the rails. I know some may be doubtful, but I'm going because God said that land belongs to me. When you start saying, I don't know how it's going to work. My, never, my family will never receive that. This is never going to turn around. Blessings will never come. I'm never getting out of this. Be real careful because God doesn't see it as negative as much as he sees it as evil. And he detests evil. Sometimes we wonder, it feels like God's against me. Maybe you've been talking yourself into a place where you aligned yourself with other forces than God. Put yourself in a place. And I'll hurry along here, but watch what he said. For their strongness, they brought up an evil report out of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw. Listen, imagine this, okay? They're saying this land will eat up its inhabitants, and they have no evidence to prove it. The only evidence they have to prove it to prove anything is the grapes of the favor of God. They had just come out or were trying to come out of a land that was eating up the inhabitants, the wilderness that I just told you about, grave after a grave. They were in a place that everyone was being destroyed, but they're afraid to go to a place that they're saying, that's going to eat up everybody. And you're dying where you are. It's interesting to me how sometimes people can't see that it would be better for you to step out by faith than stay where you are because where you are right now is killing everything around you. But it's an outside perspective sometimes that has to cause us to realize that because we get used to where we are. Is this okay? We get conditioned to where we are. We get conditioned to the next funeral the next death, the next hardship. I know some people that if God healed them, they wouldn't know how to live because their sickness has now become their identity. 
And if you ever, if God were ever to bless them, I know some people that if they, if God were ever to bless them with a, a great sum of money, they'd still talk broke. They'd still talk depressed. They'd still talk can't make it. They'd still say there's no way. He could give them a million dollars and they'd act like they just don't have anything. I don't know how I'm going to make it. Hello, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe that's you. I told one guy, well, I didn't tell him I thought this. I wanted to tell him, I should say. I told him in a roundabout way. You're always praying for me to heal you. God pastored a long time ago. You always want me to pray for God to heal you. But I'm convinced that if God healed you, you wouldn't know how to live in your miracle because you're so used to relying on other things that have identified you as having this ailment that if God came down right now and turned everything around, you wouldn't know how to live. Because he had never worked a day in his life. Truly worked. Held down a job. Always lived on disability. But the man had very little disability. I've seen many people with a whole lot more disability doing hard work and earning a living. This man had very, very doubtful if it was really something that could go to that extreme, but it never worked. So I would say, do you realize that you can go and I would name the places? You can go and you can get a job here, there, and you'll make more money standing there than you will sitting around every month expecting somebody to send you a check because that's all you've ever been used to. And you talk about you're tired of living at this place. You can't get out of the place you're in until you start doing something different. But you're not willing to take the steps to get there to earn more because you're used to your wilderness. Is this okay? I told you I was going to act like I was at home. Somebody needs to hear me today. We get so used to our wilderness where it really is death that when the promises come along, we think it's going to be death there too. So I'm not going to take the chance and we're just going to say, they, the inha they eat up the inhabitants there. I'm not an attorney, but it looks like all the evidence here says that what you get there is big grapes. You get homes you didn't build. You eat out of vineyards you didn't plant. You enjoy gardens that you didn't labor in. You move into cities that were already built. You go in and there's milk and honey that flows there. You go in and there's abundance and there's everything that you need. But you get so caught up where you are that you think it can't be different. I want to preach faith into you today and tell you it can be different. It can be different. You don't have to continue the way you've been. You don't have to live in that struggle that you've been in so here they are oh man we saw the men great stature giants sons of Anak giants <laughs> we, we were watch this we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight it doesn't say we were as grass we were grasshoppers in their sight and so because they saw us as grasshoppers it made us feel bad and so we saw ourselves as grasshoppers 
doesn't say that. It says that they saw themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. And so it was the giants started seeing them that way. This, I don't have time to cover it all, but it's kind of an inversion, if you will. You have to decide. Sometimes we think the enemy is so confident and he has all of this together that automatically he knew when they move in, we're going to take them. Can't wait till they get here. How do you know that? It could have been that the enemy was thinking, no, they finally got here. We're not going to be able to keep our land anymore because those are the same people that God delivered out of Egypt. Those are the same people that are Red Sea part. Those are the same people that just defeated an Egyptian army without raising one weapon. Those are the same people that some kind of higher power came through and lit Literally took the lives of every firstborn and they're coming here I'm not staying here I'm getting out of here and looking for somewhere else why do we always think that our enemy sees us as an easy prey rather than a challenge to them because we saw it that way in our lives they started seeing us that way so something here from the beginning transpired. I want to ask you a question. How long has it been since you looked back like Caleb looked back and said, I remember what it was like then? And he declared, I'm no different today than I was then. I've held on. You remember when you came to God? and how awesome everything was and how you believed for the impossible and you were ready to tell everybody about it and this was the great thing. Has life and the challenges of life literally pulled that faith from you and today you're just wondering, I don't know if I can make it. Why don't you go back and remember what God said when he took a chance on you and he filled you with his spirit and you were buried in his name and you walked out of here bearing a name that's above every name. You were a child of the most high God don't let the struggles of life keep you down don't let the struggles of life strip your faith from you don't let the struggles of life stop you from moving into everything that God has for you put your hands together and shout amen Caleb is there saying, give it to me. I'm ready. God said I could have it. Nothing has changed. I'm believing God for it. And so what we have here is two very different perspectives. Your perspective. What is a, what is a, what is a perspective? A perspective is simple three-word definition, okay? And, and it's not going to be hard for you. A perspective is a mental view. That's it. What is your perspective? What is your perspective? What is your perspective? What is my perspective? What are their perspectives? What am I saying? What is your mental view of tomorrow? What is your mental view of right now? What is your mental view of where you are? where you might be? What's going on in your life? That's your perspective. When we say, well, that's their perspective. That's their mental view that they're buying into. It's the way I see it. What we have in the story is one man that had a mental view of a mountain that he believed belonged to him. And he didn't let anything stop him or cloud that or change that perspective. What the other people had 
was a perspective that we're not strong enough, big enough, blessed enough, helped enough, loved enough. And so you can't do it. There's some people that I pastored and been around that it doesn't matter how long I preach or how hard I preach or how much compassion I show or how many hours of counsel, I can't change their mental view because that's someone, something that you design. And you are the, you're the author of that. You're, you're the architect of that. You're the one that draws that up about your life. I, I, I preached a long time to come to this, to tell you there's a key to your destiny. And in the things of God, the key starts in your heart. And if you can get your heart where it needs to be, it will affect the perspective that you have in everything else in God. If your heart's not where it needs to be, your, your perspective will never get right with God and pastor can counsel and people can assist and you can get all the help you need but it's a heart condition look at your neighbor and say it's a heart condition the key to your destiny is your heart we read it in the beginning and I'll not keep reading there's other verses we could go to but here is a man that holy with his whole heart he followed God in the face of adversity and challenge and difficulty. He was all in. Let's go. And the rest of them were saying, ooh, mm, I'm not. And cause the hearts of the people to melt. Where's your heart today? What kind of condition is your heart in right now? Because wherever your heart is right now, it will literally dictate what kind of perspective you have about life. When I counsel with people, talk with people, when I hear them begin to express what they see or what they're feeling or what's going on in their life, most of the time I will trace their view of things back to the condition of their heart. Recently, my wife and I had a conversation. And at the end of the conversation, you know what it came down to? It came down to this. You know what you guys need to do? You guys need to find a place to pray. I mean, there was a lot of other conversation, a lot of other stuff that had happened ongoing, ongoing, blah, 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 all this stuff going on. And at the end, when we finally got to the place that we could say, she said, you know what you guys need to do? You both need to go find a place to pray. Because this will get so messed up when this is not where it's supposed to be. On Sunday morning, I pray that somebody in this house is saying, God, search my heart today. God, let me be like Caleb. It wasn't that he just had all this strength in the world and that he was some kind of superhero or beyond what everyone else, not, not, he was insulated from all of the trouble. No, he had gone through what everybody else had gone through, but his heart was fully committed. His heart was all in and four decades of trial could not strip away where his heart was. And so I'm preaching to you on this day to say, make sure that your heart stays where it is. 
it needs to be. Make sure that your heart is fully invested because if this doesn't stay where it needs to be, everything else about what you see and what you view and how you go about life will be so skewed and messed up that you won't even find any normality about it all. I've heard so many people say, will life ever get back to normal? Will we ever get back to where we were? I don't know about that, but I know this, that I'm not going to let anything that comes my way jeopardize where my heart is with God. I'm going to be all in no matter if it's a season of favor or if it's a season of lack. I'm going to be all in if God is pouring everything out or withholding. I don't know, but my heart is going to be in because I know him well enough to say that at some point he will bring us right back to the promises he made and he'll see if we're still believing him. Let's stand together. Key to your destiny is where your heart is today. Pastor, you've seen it. I've seen it. I've... I've been pastoring 25 years. Traveled 10 years evangelizing before that. I've seen a lot of people. And I've dealt with a lot of situations. And so has he. And in most every situation, if not every situation, things could have turned out a lot different if I had been able to get them to see where their heart was. It's all the other stuff. He said, she said, this happened. That it. All of this comes down to our heart being right with God and our heart remaining right with God. <laughs> People will say things and situations will happen in our lives and we'll... We'll experience hurt and challenge and we'll have all kinds of things in this life that we live. One thing we have over and over again with our children said to them, keep your heart right. I want to stand before the Lord one day with clean hands and a pure heart. There's mountains in front of me to take and I'll never be able to summit them if my heart's not right. My perspective will get upset. I'll, I'll start assuming things and I'll start imagining things and I'll even experience things. But, man, I've seen people come through all kinds of stuff when they kept their heart right with God. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but I pray that you're hearing what I'm saying. That whatever's going on in your life right now, it's a heart issue. You can't control the outside. I can't control the giants. I can't control the walls. I can't control all of that. The only thing that I have control over is what I'm going to allow in my heart or not. Say, so, well, they said, and on the job, and they let, did this, and my ex, and the kids, and I. In most situations, you can't do one thing about it. If you could, you, you've already tried. And you're still hurt. You're still confused. So there comes a place where you just say, 
got to keep this right. Because when it comes back around, I want to be ready when God said today's the day. I don't want to have to get right with God so I can obtain my promise. Man, there's so many people that finally come back and they run back and try to get right last minute. That's not me. I want to live ready every day. Because today could be the day that he said, here's your mountain. What are you going to do with it? Keep your heart right. Let your heart be where it needs to follow him after and with him. Would anybody like to just step out from where you're standing and come to this altar with me today? Stand here, kneel here, whatever it is that you guys feel the most comfortable doing. I, I want you to come because I'm going to pray over those that come and stand with me today. Those that make their way here. I, I don't know what all's going on in your life. I don't know what hurt that you've had to endure. I, I don't know what kind of accusations or questions or gossip or judgment or con I don't know what's come your way I don't know what losses you've had I, I don't know what business has failed I don't know what marriages failed I, I don't I don't know what bodies that are hurt I don't know any of that today but I do know this that there's a healer in this house and there is a way maker in this house and there's a strength giver in this house and there is a provider in this house right now and I sense his presence all over this place and I believe God wants to bring strength to your mind and restoration to your body. I believe God wants to do something right now. I've just been preaching to just make sure that if you don't do anything else, take a look at your heart today. Do inventory on your heart. Have I allowed bitterness there? Have I allowed something to get into my heart? Has my heart grown cold or has my heart grown hard against God? Lord, today my heart is in your hand. God, today my heart is in your hand. Today, Lord, I to be like the man we read about and heard about and preached about today that Caleb wholly followed after you that his whole heart was in this thing and as a result you worked on his behalf it seemed like the promise was delayed but God you came through I pray for men and women right here that Lord you would strengthen them today that Lord if someone's heart is wavered as someone has ventured away and their heart is not where once was. Let there be a renewing right now. Let there be a refreshing right now. Let there be a brand new encounter in their heart. Be touched by your presence on this Sunday morning. God, our perspective is being affected. Our actions are being affected. Lord, the, 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 the moves that we're making and the desires that we have are all being affected right now, Lord. I just pray that our hearts would be where you would have them to be. That we would be like this man that said, I'm as strong today as I was then. I'm as ready today as I was then. I'm as prepared today as I was then. Give me my mountain. I don't want my heart to melt with fear. I don't want my heart to be in unstable. I don't want my heart to be jeopardized. I want my heart and mind and perspective and life to be where it should be. And so today, I pray for people, Lord. I plead your blood over every man and woman and young person here. I pray your work to be accomplished in their life. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, church, right where you're standing. Slip your hand to heaven and say, Lord, search my heart today. Lord, search my heart today. If there's anything in my heart that
doesn't need to be there. Remove it today, Lord. I want my heart to be fully committed. I want my heart to be all in. I want to be all in today, God. Search my heart, Lord. In the name of Jesus.